Hey, I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for copywriter Prerna Malik. Right from the start, when we started working together, my husband, who's also my business partner, we had clearly defined responsibilities for the home and the business. Because working from home can get tricky when both of you are working together. Reaching that quote-unquote six figures feels great. It makes you feel, okay, yeah, now the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Yes, yeah, so there is Prerna, who is our first guest from India, actually. Had people from all over the world, from Sweden, from Australia, from the Lebanon, <laughs> from obviously the States and across Europe. Anyway, yeah, really looking forward to hearing her story. That's coming up in a moment. She is a freelance conversion copywriter and also, I, I mean, obviously we'll go into this, but from what I can see, works with her husband on the business as well under the the, the business name of Content Bistro. So anyway, links to what she's up to at beingfreelance.com where you can find over 100 guests. In fact, more like a, nearly 130, I think, at beingfreelance.com. Wherever you get your podcast, please hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on what comes next. And if you've not heard them all yet, then go back through the archives and have a good old listen. Also at the website, you'll find loads of articles to help you and the vlog where I document my freelance week as well. So please hit subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts and help spread the word. If there's somewhere where you can review it or some way that you can spread it, then please do. That would be much appreciated. But let's crack on and chat to freelance copywriter Prerna Malik. Hey, Prerna. Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks. Where, whereabouts are you based, by the way? I'm in India. And where, where for people who know India, where are you? Okay, I'm in a place called Gurgaon. It's a suburb of New Delhi. Oh, cool. Okay. So, as ever, let's get started hearing how you got started being freelance. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's a long story because I've been in business now for seven years. So, it all started about eight years ago, you know, eight years ago or so. And I had a mom blog called The Mom Writes very imaginative, I know. But I started it because I was a new mom and my daughter was nine months old at that time. And I I loved, loved being with her. But I also needed something that was creatively stimulating and that would, you know, allow me to just use my brain better. (laughs) So I started a blog because that made the most sense to my sleep deprived brain. And this was like November 2008, I remember, because she, like I said, she was around nine months old. And that blog kind of led me to getting noticed by small businesses who started reaching out and asking me to write for them. And then at that time, I was super active on Twitter. And, uh, you know, so there were clients who started saying, okay, why don't you manage uh, social media for us? So I took a couple of courses just to be sure I knew what I was doing and jumped into social media management. And this was very, very part time because my husband, my full-time job was, you know, what was supporting us. And I was just having fun and I was, I enjoyed having this, you know, little side thing going for myself. But then around January, 
of 2010 is when my husband got really sick and he was in a lot of pain and doctors here just couldn't diagnose because he was told at times he had arthritis, sometimes it was TMJ, sometimes it was gout. It was crazy. And then it finally reached a stage where he was in so much pain, he could not go to work. And they were there, you know, were we with no job, no real income, and eating our way through our savings because, yeah, no income. And since my daughter was really small, I couldn't go back to full-time work. And um, I used to be, I had a, I have a corporate background. I used to be a communication skills trainer with Dell and uh, before that with American Express. So 2010 was literally our worst year and our best year because while we did struggle a lot, we also jumped into starting our business in March 2011. And how that happened was we realized that we had a good thing going with the part-time client work that I was doing and we could grow this. So March 2011 is when we came up with the name, our current business, Content Bistro, used to be called Social Media Direct at that time. And because social media management was were the main services and blogging were the services I was offering to clients. We started with those. And we started reaching out to some of our past clients and telling them, you know, that we're doing this full time now and we'd appreciate referrals. And things started looking up on the personal front as well, because I'd been blogging on my personal blog about my husband's illness. And a friend reached out to me um, and asked us to get his pH levels tested. And it's like a regular blood test. And when we got that done, we found he had chronic inflammation and doing some research again, helped us uh, identify that changing our diet helps. So we started making those changes as well. And yeah, uh, like six months down the line, he, he was relatively pain-free. And about a year later, he was absolutely pain-free and he was playing tennis. So (laughs) that was, that was incredible. Like I said, you know, so this first year was a lesson I often say this, it was a lesson for us in humility and hustle. And I did a lot of things that now I, I think about it and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, but it's, it was what was needed. For instance, you know, our, our first website was created pro bono because I reached out to one of my first bosses from my corporate life and asked if they could create the website for us, but that I had no money to give them. So if they could do it, you know, pro bono for me. And so it was tough, but so worth it because those lessons, those are for life. Yeah. Wow. So if it hadn't have been for your blog, you wouldn't have started a business, but also your husband wouldn't have got better. Exactly. Exactly. I am so grateful to the internet and to the blogging world because like I said, I'm in India and my friend who reached out was in the US and then my clients were spread all over the world and they were like trusting us with their social media business, with their blogs. Say what you will, the internet brings us closer. <laughs> but all through that time, you're, you know, you're building up the early stages of a business, but you're also, if my maths is any good, maybe got a one or two year old by that point as well. So not a school years kid. Was she in nursery at all? Or were you like totally working in between looking after? No, she started uh, going to play school. Like, so that's like, yeah, preschool here. 
and then she went on to nursery, but she started preschool. So she used to go there for about three hours. And how I used to work was, I used to wake up really early. That's how I became an early bird. I used to wake up at 4.30. And I used to work from 4.30 to about 7, which is when then I used to wake my daughter up, get her ready for school and give her her breakfast and stuff and then go drop her. Then I would sometimes just stay over there because uh, coming back home for two hours and then going back made no sense. I would just sit over there in the waiting area, take my laptop and work from there. <laughs> so, yeah, I learned to work from pretty much anywhere. Man, yeah. Oh, God, it reminds me I did that when when, when our daughter was like settling in because I used to look after her at first when I went freelance. And just when she was starting nursery and she'd settle in and she was only there for like an hour or two, I used to drive just around the corner. There was a McDonald's drive through uh, you know, with a few seats. And I used to sit in one of those seats making a cup of tea and a donut last while working. Yeah, because it just wasn't worth driving home again. And if I'm right in thinking then, so so your husband did have a full-time job, but as part of you, you know, realizing you could make money online, you know, working remotely, he then became part of that business as well with you, right? Yeah, exactly. He's done his MBA from Cardiff, in fact, and he takes care, he's like the COO, you know, so he takes care of all our marketing and strategy and all the finances and the pricing decisions and, you know, all of the stuff that I don't enjoy, honestly. <laughs> so so does he only do that for your business or is that one of the services you, you offer as in he? Yeah, we offer it as a service to our clients as well, marketing strategy and planning. And yeah, he works with them on their, you know, on revenue forecasting and things like that as well. So cool. So suddenly you found yourself working together as well. Like, how, how did that go? Were you working from home? Yes, yes, we work from home. And were you literally working in the same room? Or did you like, uh, I don't know, have an office or like, what, what was that like? Oh, yeah. So when we started, you know, like, we had no money, right? I mean, it was like no money. So we had we used to work from the same room, from our dining room. Things are different now, happily. But, um, but yeah, and it used to be a lot of, um, it used to be a lot of fun. It still is. And there's just something exciting about jumping into a business where you don't have any fear. You know, someone asked me this recently, this, you know, she emailed me and she said, what were your fears when you were starting your business? And how did you overcome them? And I said, I am really sorry to disappoint you but I really had no fear because there was no option he couldn't go back to work he wasn't he wasn't going to get a job he'd been out of the workforce for about a year and we realized that this business had scope and potential and that even though the going may be tough in the beginning because like we were starting with a zero dollar budget it would be totally worth it and this year we cracked 210k so yeah I would say it's been really worth it that's awesome so how did you set about growing your business? So, you know, you started off doing social media, but you you soon realized that there were other services you could offer. But you mentioned that you have clients around the world. So, yeah, where, 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 how did it evolve? 
Oh yeah. Uh, so social media and blogging was, you know, they were what I started to be noticed for. And we got the opportunity to work with some amazing entrepreneurs and industry leaders in the online marketing industry and the blogging uh, niche. Uh, so I was working with Tish Oxen writer of Art of Simple, with Anne Samalov of Fearless Launching, Andrea Ayers, um, Andrea Matei of Launch Grow Joy, and a whole lot of amazing entrepreneurs. But around 2015 is when I started getting a lot of requests to do copywriting for my clients. And I've taken a couple of copywriting courses. And then, you know, I had all of Joanna Weeb uh, of Copy Hackers, her eBooks, and um, I jumped into copywriting. So we rebranded to Content Bistro in 2015 uh, to include both copywriting and content creation services as well. So that's how Content Bistro came about. We've, over the years, focused a lot on building relationships and also on, you know, just doing a lot of good work to get our clients great results because that really helps you get referrals and get noticed for being good at what you do. So those two things were key in helping us get great clients, get regular business. And again, like I said, even though I was in India, it really didn't make any difference to our clients who were all across the world. Mm. And I guess in some ways it might help in that, for example, we're talking now, it's half two in the UK. So I don't know what that is. It's probably 9am in the States. It's half, it's half six. So like pretty soon, probably when you're, you know, when your daughter was five or whatever, she would have been going to bed maybe. And so would you then be working in the evening? Is that synced with the States, for example, or, or would you work while they slept or? Yeah, so when I was doing social media, yeah, I used to work in the evenings as well. And I was working very long hours. And then I used to work, wake up early in the morning and then cover the nighttime or, you know, Mike would take over and he would. So we kind of, you know, we would split the shifts between us for when we would. This is when we were doing social media management years ago. But with copywriting and content creation, really, uh, no. I work my own hours. I work from um, Monday through Friday, and I work a time that suits me. My daughter is in school from, say, 7.30 till 2.30. She leaves for school at 7.30, so I start work around 9, 9.30, and then I wrap up by about 2.30, 2.45. So right now, I work my own hours, unless, of course, I have a call or you know a meeting or an interview like this one, in which case then I'm, I'm at my laptop in the evening. Yeah. So how do you deal with remote clients? Is it whatever they want? Or do you say this is, you know, we're going to do it all via email, or we're going to all chat via Skype? Or like, how do you do you share any project management tools with them? Or like, yeah, what, how, how do you work remotely in that way? Okay, yeah. So a couple of things, you really need to set clear expectations about how you work, when would you respond to emails, whether it would be 24 to 48 hours, but it's going to be instantly. So in my case, I set clear expectations that I reply to all emails within 24 to 48 hours. I don't usually work weekends unless required. And 
we do use a project management tool. We ask the client if they have a particular preference because I, honestly, I'm familiar with all of them, so it really makes no difference. But if they're not, then we you know, use Asana, although I'm really liking Trello these days as well. And we also have a schedule for calls, which is I send them a link to my calendar and I have certain days. I use theme days to kind of you know boost my productivity. So I have call days on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I just send them a link to my calendar and then they, they book a call. So it's all very streamlined and it's very important for anyone who's working remotely with clients with, with a time difference as large as ours to be very responsible about setting expectations and, and letting your clients know when should they expect to hear from you and then live up to that expectation. Don't drop the ball. Very important. Don't say I'll, you know, reply to you in 24, 48 hours and then be gone for like three days or four days. Yeah. Yeah. And do you use uh, like a tool like Calendly for your calls or? Yeah, I I use a tool called You Can Book Me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, which is so a similar thing. So because what, what's great about that is then it, it takes out the time zone conversion, doesn't it, for you? So it automatically shows the times in, the, in their time zones, which is so useful. Now, on your, on your website, I noticed you've got, well, it looks like, I don't know, it, it looks like maybe you offer packages. So is, is that something that you've developed over time? Yes, yes. In fact, our productized or packaged services have played a huge role in helping us, you know, um, have our best year ever this year and that we were, we were been able to do that while working way fewer hours. Like I said, I, I start my day at 9, 9.30 and I wrap up by 2.30 in the afternoon and we didn't launch a single e-course. So my package services have been hugely popular and a big part of our business. I, I love offering services like that. In fact, I just had someone, you know, like earlier this week, sign up for a marketing package service straight off from the side. And I usually have people do that. When I asked her on the call, why did she, you know, how did you find me? And she was like, because you were mentioned on someone's site in a list of recommended people to work with. And uh, when I came, you were the only copywriter who had a package that I could buy. I was like, wow, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So what is that? So I guess that's like the fact that it lets them figure out what they might get and how much it might cost before they even get in touch. It sees whether it's right for them. I also do project codes, you know, like uh, everybody else. I have people reach out to me via referrals or, you know, even via the site saying, you know, we heard, heard about you on, you know, on such and such podcast or we saw you on, you know, so-and-so site. So uh, I need a sales page for my launch. Would you be able to do that for me? So I also have those standalone kind of things. Then that's that's perfectly fine. But I love packages. I like, like having those options on on the site. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned there people finding you in various places. Is that something you've strategically gone out to get featured in, I know, certain blogs or podcasts or, or whatever it may be? Yes, I have. I have. Uh, so my husband and I, we work on a marketing plan on a quarterly basis. And uh, one of the things that we include in that is uh, visibility and outreach. And I've been very intentional and strategic about guest posting and appearing on podcast interviews and being a guest expert for other people's courses as a copywriting expert going in there and teaching sales page copywriting or, you know, email copywriting. So yeah, absolutely. I've been very strategic about it. 
So do you reach out like in a custom way to each particular, be it a course or podcast? Because I should stress, by the way, that I contacted you. You didn't contact me. So um, and I can't remember how I found you, but it just goes to show that all of these things build up over time, doesn't it? And then, and then of course, it may have been, I don't know, it may have been on Twitter, but eventually I would have been on your website and then I would have seen all of these different things that you're up to and I see your story because that's on there as well. And so it all builds up over time. So when, you, when you're reaching out, are you being very bespoke to each one, if you see what I mean? Yes, I know it's time consuming. I have a basic structure for the email that I send out but I don't use a copy-paste kind of a thing for everybody. And that is why I have to be very intentional and strategic about it because it takes me time. I study the person's site or listen to their podcasts. I, you know, connect with them on social media and try and see, you know, how best can I serve their community or audience by what kind of content would they like, whether it's a guest post or an interview or a guest expert session, if they've got something going on, like, you know, do they have a course? And then I write out an email highlighting uh, who I am, where I've been featured. All of that is pretty standard. So like I said, that I do have a structure. But then I also talk about if it's a guest post, I'll say, you know, here are a few post ideas. This is what they would talk about. This is why I think they would work because I've seen say a similar post got great engagement but it didn't touch on these points so your readers enjoy this content but I'm sure they would like more depth or you know more tips about it or something like that so yeah I do customize my pitch yeah no no, that's great was there a point over the past seven eight years where you felt I don't know you felt maybe that snowball that most businesses feel, you know, as things start to pick up speed. Was there a point where you felt it really take off? Oh, yeah. I think it was year four is when we made 100K. And that is what I would call was our tipping point. And, you know, we realized, my husband and I, the, the scope and the potential that this business had. And since then, it's, you know, it's in fact, it's been growing since year one, which is a great thing. But um, reaching that... <laughs> that code and code six figures feels great. It makes you feel, okay, yeah, now the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. And did that take a certain amount of pressure off? You know, given, given that you, you were literally, you, you said you were starting with no money, you'd eaten into your savings when your husband was sick. Yes, it totally did. We could invest more in our business. You know, we could travel a lot more. We could do a lot of things, including switching on the air conditioning when we were working. And it also showed us, you know, that with a business, the growth is, you know, you just can't put a number on it. You know, you can't say, okay, you'll get a 10% raise every year, like you would do in a job or a 15% hike and, you know, be happy with it. No, it's just so exciting to know that you have full control over growing it. So you must have a lot of leads coming in, I presume, and you know, a lot of work coming in, perhaps a lot of regular work. So how do you manage your workload? And is it just you two, for example, or do you have you built in a team? Have you uh, brought on other people to write with you? Because otherwise, it must be a case of saying no to certain things. Yeah, so I do say no to certain things, certain projects that don't align with either my area of expertise or my values. Uh, and we do have a team. We have a, a small, lean 
and mighty team. So besides my husband and me, we have a full-time in-house editor who goes through all the copy I write and edits and proofreads it. We also have a graphic designer and uh, a tech team for handling all the backend stuff for the website and things like that. They're the husband wife we've been working with for a long time. And then we have contract workers like our bookkeeper, our lawyer, and all of those things. Writing is solely my domain. I love to write. I don't subcontract. I don't have other writers writing for me. I love to write. And that's totally me. Interesting. So, I mean, there's about seven, seven or eight people perhaps then behind work it supporting you both, but you, you are taking on that writing, which is where there's, you know, that's, there's no way of, of getting around it. That's a time consuming thing to do. It is, it is. But uh, so here's the thing. Besides, you know, a good team for work. And like I said, my husband, who's also my business partner, takes care of a lot of the stuff that I just don't deal with. So which includes, you know, talking to the lawyers to get contracts done for our clients or um, the bookkeeping part of it, you know, the, the invoicing and the accounting, the taxes. I don't bother with it at all. That's his his stuff. And so we sit down together to work on planning our marketing, on planning strategies. That's where I, you know, I have inputs to share. But for for things like this, uh, where, you know, my input is not needed, I don't spend any time on it. The other thing is, as our business has grown, we've also gotten, you know, help at home. And something that we did right from the start, when we started working together, we had clearly defined responsibilities for the home and the business. So that helps a lot as well, because working from home can get tricky when both of you are working together. But having those you know, clearly defined responsibilities helps a lot. So it's about the communication between the two of you as to what your work and domestic duties, as it were, may be. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, um, also trusting each other's decisions, completely keeping each other motivated and focused, because there will be times when you feel burnt out. There will be times when you feel overwhelmed. I've had my shares of meltdowns way, you know, way, way too often, especially in the early days when you're working so hard and, you know, you're spending way too many hours on the laptop and sometimes things just don't seem to be moving as fast as you would like them to, it can get overwhelming. So being a sounding board for each other really helps. And, you know, just, just keeping each other focused and motivated makes a huge difference. Yeah. No, that's great. Just going back to that team thing as well, because you can hear the the 100K or the 200K figure, for example, that you say, but obviously that there is two of you You've also got other people who that money then gets dispersed other than taxes and things like that. Yeah. So I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? All right. So I already told you we do a lot of traveling, you know, and I love driving and my husband hates it. Besides running a you know, a full-time business, we also take a lot of a lot of road trips. And I've driven all over the country, especially in, you know, to various parts of North India. And driving in the hills or mountain driving is my favorite thing to do. So that's one. The second is, um, 
even though I've always, like, you know, from day one, worked with clients all over the world. We've got clients in the U.S., in Australia, Canada, Switzerland, UAE, Germany, UK, of course. I'd never traveled overseas until the age of 35. And I'm 38 right now. So, yeah, that's number two. And the third is that even though my daughter is is 10 now, uh, she's a shade taller than I am. (laughs) Okay. Oh, wow. Well, I often look at our kids and think, at what age are you going to overtake me? 10-year-old, 10-year-old. Our son is eight. And there are kids in his age who are taller than him. That might well be possible. 10-year-old, 35 overseas. I'm not sure because you did say that, I mean, you worked for some big clients in your previous career before you became a mum. And that might have taken you overseas. First one, driving. you love driving. You've driven all over. I don't know. I mean, that, sound, that sounds eminently true. So I reckon it's one of the other two. I'm going to say you did go overseas before you were 35. No, you got it all wrong. No! <laughs> I hate driving. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of driving, uh, but only, you know, within the city when my husband wasn't well. So, you know, dropping my daughter to school or, you know, taking him to the to the doctors. I did all of that. But, oh, my gosh, I would never want to drive on a long road trip ever. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the one. But, yeah, I did not travel overseas until I was 35. And, um yeah, our daughter is, she is taller than me. I, I should say I'm short, you know, so that helps as well. I'm five feet. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? You know, I'm going to kind of go against the grain or the trend here. And I would say nothing really, because given the situation we were in with our backs against the wall, we did everything. We jumped in without any fear. We kept costs low. We worked really, really hard. So really nothing. If the situation was different when we started, say we had more money, I would have invested earlier in more learning resources that, and also in traveling overseas to meet clients and attend conferences. That is an interesting thing, that whole thing of... You know, as you start, even as you started to eventually have money, though, it's still quite scary spending it. Or maybe it wasn't. But in my head, I still think, oh, well, if I pay somebody else to do this task, for example, when you hired your first person to do something for you or to book that plane ticket to wherever and to buy a conference ticket, that could still seem scary. I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's how it feels to me. Did it did it feel like that to you? Oh, no. <laughs> it felt <laughs> liberating. Yeah. It felt exciting to be able to hire someone to do the stuff that you 
don't like doing or that really isn't your skill set because like I said when we started I was doing all the graphics you know for my blog making all those photos and pick monkey and other tools and things like that and oh my gosh I was so glad to have someone who would take it all and do it for me oh, in fact things like you know migrating my site from blogger to wordpress I did it by myself I struggled so when I could hire our website uh, support team I, I'm so happy to pay them every month. I cannot tell you. I have, we've had them on Retainer for, I think, a couple of years now. Um, and I enjoy paying them every month. Uh, same for, you know, investing in courses. I will, however, say that we're very selective about what we invest in. It has to have a clear return on investment. You know, it has to have a clear outcome for us. How is it going to help us grow our business? Would it free up our time? Would it help us, you know, give better results to our clients? So we're very selective. I do not sign up for every single course that comes my way, no matter how tempting it may be. We carefully evaluate everything that we invest in. And that's what's really helped us keep our costs low. So this year, for instance, um, out of what we made, the 210K, 60, nearly 60% of that was, was profit. 40% went into business expenses, taxes, charity, and reinvestment. And especially because, I don't know, I guess in a different time, let's be honest, pre-internet and things like that, the the outcome of your husband getting ill, for example, and the effect that that would have had on you guys would have just been totally different. And instead of that, it's just this whole thing has flourished. Oh, gosh, yes. Like I said at the start of this interview, I am so grateful for the internet. I've made... The most wonderful friends. I've worked with some incredible, incredible people. I've learned things that I never would have. And we've created a life for ourselves that, yeah, without the internet, I don't see it being possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your tips and your advice. It seems to me that like that streak that you had really early on, which carries through into the whole investing thing of being fearless, serves you very well. <laughs> Make sure you go to beingfreelance.com and there will be a link through to Content Bistro, and which is uh, Prenna's uh, website of, and with her husband and the business. And you can link through to, you know, check out the blog. And uh, is the blog which is on there, does that still relate to your original blog or is that somewhere else? No, I uh, shut down the mom rides the two years ago. Yes, I could not keep up and it just wasn't fair to my readers. And I really believe in walking the talk when it comes to work-life balance. So it was, yeah, it was just not working out. And we just took the really tough decision because I was emotionally attached to it. And, um, but yeah, so we did shut it down. <laughs> but it was more important to get that balance right. Exactly, exactly. Would you have any thoughts on how to get that balance right, though? Given that you, you're you both working really hard. I mean, I know you talked about, you know, very clear job roles, as it were, between you both, both domestically and work-wise. But how you manage that tightrope of work-life balance? Oh, yeah. So a um, couple of things. I also I use team days. So I'm not bouncing between different projects and I'm super focused when I'm working. I 
I'm ruthless about shutting down distractions when I need to write or even do my research. Um, we've got, you know, strong boundaries around our work days and we, we protect those, which ensures that our work gets done. So it's not lying unattended or and stressing us out. And then you've, you know, you've got time to, you know, fit family or when I'm with my daughter or I enjoy baking. So I can do all of that without worrying that, oh my gosh, I have to finish that email or I have to, you know, uh, get back and, you know, answer, answer messages or whatever. So the processes and systems are key as is, you know, like having a solid calendar. So you know what you're doing as a business in terms of marketing and, uh, you know, kind of focus our energies. The other thing what I was, you know, wanted to share was that I've learned that sometimes it's important to just step back and not force yourself to work or be creative. If you're stuck, take a break. It's a lesson that I learned when, you know, I had, you know, I just kind of got burned out uh, way back in the day and it didn't come naturally to me. My husband, my uncle had to, you know, sit me down and talk me and talk to me. And he was like, you know, you really need to learn how to take a break because I'm, I'm a type A and I can just go on forever. So, yeah, it's very important to just say it's okay. You know, the world doesn't explode if you decide to take a day off. <laughs> what, what did burnout look like for you? For me, it was that I was in tears. I felt that everybody else was doing um, way better than I was and that I was just not making any headway. And I felt, why am I even doing all of this? So I took a few days off. And that is when, you know, we realized the importance of travel and vacations for us. So, so we make it a point to travel like at least three to four times in the year as a family, or, you know, it could just be sometimes me traveling for business, but that really helps me step back and enjoy the world away from my laptop. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for chatting us to, to us today. Go to beingfreelance.com, links through to Content Bistro and to find uh, Prerna online so you can reach out and say hi and see what they're up to. Uh, but yeah, it's been an absolute joy to speak to you and all the best being freelance. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. 